Welcome to Animorphs Anonymous, the podcast where we casually discuss the Animorphs one book at a time. I'm Casey. And I'm Alex. And we're going to talk you through the plot of each book. But more accurately, take you on tangent trips, factoid forays, and say, well, actually, as much as possible. Join us on the 1st and the 15th of each month, and we'll take you along on our mission. And we promise to have you back under the two-hour time limit. Ladies and gentlemen, I have a grave announcement to make. Incredible as it may seem, both the observations of science and the evidence of our eyes lead to the inescapable assumption that those strange beings who landed in the Jersey farmlands tonight are the vanguard of an invading army. Hello! (laughs) Hello, my dear friends! (laughs) Hello! Whoa, it's been a while since that entered my brain. (laughs) Has it? How long? Uh, well, probably a few months, actually, if, if I'm honest. Well, that's a decent amount of time. Dude, someone brought up the game the other day. I think I asked you if you'd play the game, and then you said no. What I said was, no, I refuse. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, that, that I was like, I will not play the game with you. Not now. <laughs> I am an adult, and you cannot make me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, audience. Y'all just lost. If yeah, you did. You did all just lose the game. I'm <laughs> this so is... sorry. <laughs> Every episode after this one, our listeners will just go down to zero. Oh, no. <laughs> They'll be, be like, so mad. fuck these assholes. They made <laughs> us play the game and we lost. I hate it. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, well, that's fun. Uh, shit. No, I've lost the game. Despite <laughs> refusing to play. <laughs> Damn it! Damn it! Is this all okay? Is it? It might be. Someday. Okay. So, somewhere. Somewhere. <laughs> okay. Huh? Anyways, I'm just gonna stop quietly singing you songs. What song is that? I believe it is from the one with the New York and the things and the tubular and love. It's a musical. It's very rent? popular music. Nope. I hate Rent. The one, it was on Glee, and it was with Rachel and Finn, and they sing the song to each other. It was a duet. They come from two different families. It's like Romeo and Juliet, but like... Oh, West Side Story. Yeah, thank you. Oh! <laughs> it's a South Side Story. South Side Story. South Side Story. You know, that, that bold new musical, The Cell sure. Story. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, my God. Web, web Access America. Cell <laughs> Side Story. That's right. I'm K.A. Applegating my life now. It's basically the K. same. K.A. Applegate is a verb now. <laughs> it's what you do. <laughs> Woo! That's amazing. Oh, that's terrible. Like, I... <laughs> <laughs> it's like the exact same story. Anyways. Woo! Speaking of Kay Applegate. Uh-huh. Did, did you read Animorphs this week? <laughs> <laughs> oh, did I? <laughs> and how did that work out for you? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I have tears on my face. Um, Of rage or of joy? <laughs> tears of... <laughs> Um, it, I think it's rage, but like diluted through a sense of hopelessness and sadness. 
So it's just coming out into a very cynical laugh. (laughs) That's the premise of Animorphs. You got it. Yay! (laughs) Mixed emotions of death. Um, Do you want to just, like, get right into this book? Because I don't even have, like, anything to tell you. I just want to talk about this so badly. Okay. I'm amicable to that. All right. Perfect. We agreed. (laughs) it is unanimous we will do the thing it is unanimous all the votes are in let's talk about the underground okay i have i have a lot of thoughts and a lot of feelings about this particular book um and with our particular main character in this book um I am trying to decide if I want to state my feelings up front or if I want to wait until we've done the synopsis um, or interject randomly throughout the synopsis because it's more authentic to my experience in reading the book. It would be like read a certain section and then flip a table because I was so mad. <laughs> okay, I see. Now, I'm, now you've sold me on the interjecting throughout. I like that. I want to have your authentic experience as we go through. Okay. Okay. And then... Anything that isn't covered in the in the synopsis, I will reveal at the end. Okay, perfect. Yeah, we'll we'll sum it up. Okay. All right. I'm into this. Welcome to my favorite character, Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Rachel. Oh, Rachel. She opens this book, telling us as they always do about how Yerks are terrible. They're invading the planet. They take over your body. You can't move. You can't escape. Normal introduction we get almost no character introductions other than like names and maybe a line of dialogue um except for axe who gets a little bit of a description and then probably one of my favorite marco synopsises of something he said where he was trying to explain arnold and axe is like <laughs> who is this arnold and marco's like he's the man but the actual line is the man he explained explaining nothing that is phenomenal. Right? That, I wrote that down, too. That's an absolutely phenomenal line. I loved it so much. That is great. It was. Um, and it's all downhill from here. <laughs> <laughs> so the whole premise of this opening, this cold open, is that Marco and Rachel are teaming up to explain to Jake that they want to go to Planet Hollywood, which is this big, having a big opening concert thing with Bruce Willis playing the harmonica, like, I didn't really get that. Am I missing a reference? Maybe, I don't know. I brought up that whole, like, Bill Clinton playing the saxophone thing. Oh. I think he did that at some (laughs) point. So maybe it's a reference to that, I don't know. I don't know. But anyways, they're talking about going, and it's unclear to me whether or not the other Animorphs are on board with this. It seems like they might be, like, backseat willing to go along with this Planet Hollywood thing, and they just are all trying to convince Jake. But Rachel and Marco are our four front forerunners. I don't know. They're the ones trying to convince Jake. And they're going back and forth about like, oh, so-and-so will be there. And Axe is really missing out on like authentic Earth experiences. We have to take him. And um, <laughs> they're talking about Arnold, of course. Rachel admits that there's a Ralph Lauren show that she wants to see. And then Marco's final trick was like, hey, Jake you know that Shaquille O'Neal will be there. And Jake was like, well, then let's go. (laughs) Wow. Do it for Shaq. Doing it for Shaq. He's going to dunk on Uh. Shaq. 
<laughs> he's gonna he's going to beat Shaq and then write a crappy rap song about <laughs> it. <laughs> and that's how we find out that Jake was Aaron Carter all along. Oh my god. Talk about the nineties. <laughs> yeah, for real. I don't think Jake Funny. would date Lizzie McGuire though. Oh, did, did that happen? Uh, in an episode of Lizzie McGuire, he was like a guest star and he sang like uh, that I want candy song to her. Oh, yeah, and yeah. She yeah. was candy. There were sweaters. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I remember of that episode of Lizzie McGuire. Cool. Uh, fun fact about Shaq. Um, I sort of kind of met him once. He's like the only celebrity I've ever sort of kind of met. Um, he's very tall and <laughs> he... He lifted my friend into the air. Apparently, I didn't see this, but I heard about it. Oh, I saw but. the pictures. Oh yeah, I forgot there were pictures. But you missed the best part about that story was like the first thing they told everybody was like, absolutely, do not ask Shaq to <laughs> lift you up. <laughs> yeah, it's like don't talk to Shaq, don't ask him for an autograph, like just do do not. Yeah. <laughs> and then freaking. <laughs> oh, my friend is a troll. He's a troll. He's wonderful. <laughs> He's a great human. They're literally like, do not acknowledge Shaq. And he's like, hey, Shaq, will you pick me up? And Shaq was like, sure. (laughs) Oh, my God. Shaq sounds amazing. (laughs) Yeah, he seems cool. I love him. (sighs) (laughs) Yep. So anyways, that's all it took for Jake. Now he's definitely, definitely on board with this going to Planet Hollywood. Um. I did some uh, I did some research about Planet Hollywood. Oh, good! Actually. I was hoping you would because I specifically didn't hoping you would. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm here for you. Thank you. Um, so originally I was like, "Ooh, Planet Hollywood! Maybe I can guess where they are." Um, there are currently only four or five operating in America. They're in like New York, Las Vegas, uh, Disney World in Florida, and there's one in Los Angeles. Um. The only, and they all opened in like the early 90s, um, the only thing that could potentially match up is there's something called the Cool Planet Cafe, which is like a subsidiary of uh, Planet Hollywood, Mm -hmm. and that opened up in Santa Monica in 1998, but that's A, not Planet Hollywood, B, that would be the wrong time period because it opened up in August and apparently the kids are still in school. Anyway, I'm sure it's all made up anyway, so... But I, I just like to see where the, the line is between truth and fiction in these books. It seems to be mostly fiction. Um, another fun fact I learned is that Arnold uh, severed financial ties with the business in January of 2000. And that Planet Hollywood acquired Buca di Beppo in 2008. <laughs> really? Yeah. Buca di Beppo. All right. Um, so thanks wikipedia and just to add to this this book was published in april of 1998 so this would have been a little before yeah that would have opened although theoretically you would still know that it was opening that close to it yeah um so i'm a little confused because like my guess as to where they were kind of migrated down south towards kind of the los angeles area maybe like a sub not a subdivision, what am I trying to... A suburb of Los Angeles. Um, just, like, geographically. Yeah. Um, they mentioned that the Planet Hollywood opened up and there's a river that cuts through downtown. And 
that would match up because there's the Los Angeles River. I don't know. <laughs> I'll never <Okay>. tell. <laughs> I'll never tell. Uh, anyway, that's my current guess. Watch, watch, watch us get to the end and they reveal the location and it'll be like nothing as to what I guessed. <laughs> and they'll be like, we're in Minnesota. <laughs> yeah, we're in Anchorage. We're like, Anchorage. What? <sighs> oh, that would be hilarious. God. <laughs> we are in Norway. We were in Hawaii the whole time. <laughs> we're in Norway. <laughs> yes. We lied about our prime minister. I'm pretty sure Norway has a prime minister, not a president. They've said they parked on the White House lawn. That is pretty incriminating. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they're in America, but... They're in the U.S. or Canada. Or Canada? I I mean, I feel like it's possible. Hmm. What, Canada has a prime minister? Yes, yeah. But, like, it's, All right, it's close enough that they could get to Washington from Canada. Oh, so, like, if they were in Canada, but they referred to the president... There could be no one but the U.S. president. Okay. Well, right, but because, like, we're going to reveal this to the world, we're going to land on, like, the prime minister's front lawn. It just does not have the weight of, like, <laughs> the White House lawn. Prime minister, president, they're basically the same, yeah, right? Yeah, sure. All right. Uh, yeah. I, I'm going to go ahead and say it's pretty safe to assume it's the U.S., but, <laughs> yeah. But still going to weave some doubt into your mind <laughs> but everything was filmed in toronto or vancouver yes and uh that's a thing Iceman is from there oh yeah he is yeah jakey boy jakey boy slash ice man i wish i could remember <laughs> his real name at any oh sean ashmore Woo! <laughs> oh i thought you said sean astin sean... And I was like, no <laughs> that is a different actor <laughs> what would Animorphs have been like if Sean Astin were the <laughs> Sean Astin as Jake. <laughs> oh god, <laughs> that's what they meant when they when Elijah Wood said, "I want to hear more about dear old Sam." Oh, now I'm thinking about um, Christopher Lee as Mister Three. Like that wouldn't work Ooh. nowadays because he's rest in peace. Dead. But like that would have kind of been super creepy. Yeah. Right. Yeah, especially like younger him. Like if we could pull an actor from any point in time like we don't have the time constraints like reality Mm -hmm. that would be super creepy like in his dracula days yeah yeah holy shit oh man that'd be awesome all right well anyways (laughs) yeah i'll move us along because we have a lot to discuss yes all right so the kids are enjoying i wrote the conference what the hell is wrong with me concert um they both start with con (laughs) <laughs> They're both cons. <laughs> yeah, but seriously, I there was a lot of typos when I was typing this one up. I'm not sure why. Probably a lot of thoughts. But anyways... They're, they're all enjoying this concert, except for Tobias, who's freaking out about how they look like a raptor convention. And uh, I wrote, that's a level of anxiety that I understand. <laughs> um, they're giving each other shit. They're bantering around, like just having a good old time. Rachel's going to tumble Marco, but then decides against it. When she notices a guy about 60 floors up in the Kenny building, <laughs> which is the dumbest name I've ever heard. I did look that up. There is a Kenny building in Vancouver. <laughs> but it doesn't look like that. It's just like a concrete looking office building instead of a glass one. Anyway. Oh, I know a guy named Kenny, and I think it's yeah. hilarious that there's a Kenny building. 
But you anyways. You have a building named after you. You have a building named after you in Animorphs. But yeah, so um, the guy smashes out a window, and Rachel's like, she noticed him before he smashed the window because he looked a little weird. But once he grabs the chair, smashes out the window, she's like, oh no, he's gonna jump! And sure enough, the guy like run, like backs up and then runs out the window and jumps. And Rachel is already diving after him. So that's either some weak ass glass or that dude was super strong. Cause they make that the building glass they make that super thick and really hard to break. Okay, so here's why I believed this in the '90s. Okay. Because I at that time lived in Canada. And the um, the CN Tower has this like glass floor that you can walk out on and look. Oh, son of a bitch! And somebody cracked the first level <gasps> of it. And no. Yeah. So this, in my mind as a kid, I was like, "Holy crap! That's totally possible because they did crack the floor there that people walk on." <laughs> oh no. So. Yeah. Maybe that was a cautionary tale, and then they made all the glass really thick. See, that's what I was wondering, is, like, at what point did they start adding that safety precaution to these huh. windows? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, because I'm thinking about Watchmen, uh, the beginning of Watchmen, when the comedian flies through the window. Mm-hmm. You know, that took place in the 80s, so maybe that's another indication that they didn't make the glass very thick. <laughs> it could be. They're also superheroes, but... <laughs> but still. Well, yeah, but like you know. Yeah, like not like the Superman. the perp whose whose name I will not reveal in case you haven't read Watchmen. You should probably go do that because <laughs> we're not um, going to spoil Watchmen for you. It came out two thousand like six or something or two thousand ten maybe. I don't know. We were in college. Two thousand. I don't know. I don't know. It's a, it's it's pretty good. You should go read it. It's like a comic. This is, Staple. Anyway. This is like when somebody spoiled that Dumbledore died for Michael 10 years after the book came out, and we're all like, <laughs> you should have fucking read the book! You've had a decade! Get on it! Oh, no. Well, okay, I spoiled V for Vendetta for my friend once, and she got legitimately very angry at me. Oh, uh, so ever since is then, still mad at me about oh, yeah. Orange is the New Orange Black. Orange is the New Black. Jesus. To be fair, that was like a week after it came out, and she said four times before I spoiled it, don't tell me because I haven't seen that episode yet, and then I accidentally blurted it out. Oh, no. Just don't tell me that you can't do something, and I won't spoil it for you. Anyways... That's funny. Um, I forgot where I was going, so let's Sorry, move along. I'm the so guy jumps smart. out a window. Yeah, he jumps out a window. <laughs> All right, well, anyways, um, yeah, so the guy jumps out the window. Rachel swoops in and grabs him. Tobias is the next one in, uh, then Jake. And by the end of it, they kind of one by one all grab the guy. And they're not <laughs> going to be able to hold him because he's too heavy. But there's a river nearby, and Tobias kind of takes charge of the situation. And he's like, we got to glide into this river. So he has them all, like, angle their wings the same way, and they literally are, like, still careening towards the ground. They're like, he's not going to survive a concrete landing, but the water, he should be okay. So they get there, they drop him into the water successfully, they're all like, yeah, this is great. But then they realize that he hit the water so hard that he went straight down and got stuck in the mud at the bottom. Um, so Rachel dives into the water as an eagle, she's like, they're a water bird, too! <laughs> Clearly, oh like, God. not understanding... This is the first of many offenses, let me just say. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that's fair enough. <laughs> she clearly does not understand how eagles work. <laughs> but, yeah, she soon realizes the error of her ways when she's in the water and, like, can't swim, which she should have fucking known. Um, mm. So she starts to demorph, and people see her, but they just think she's a dead body, which is fine, I guess. 
Um, and then she starts to morph to dolphin, and she does get the guy loose and to the surface of the water, where he is then grabbed by none other than Arnold Schwarzenegger, the governator. Oh <laughs> the governator. <laughs> this is before he was the governator. Oh, 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 and... Like, after, after they find out he got stuck in the mud and she, like, goes back in, she, like, she starts, like, ranting about, like, what is it with people killing themselves? Like, don't you know if you're alive, there's, like, some hope left? And then she fucking, like, dives into the water and I'm just, like, you should talk? Like, <laughs> you with your crazy, reckless fucking suicide missions? Yeah. <sighs> and then she, like, just starts talking about, like, like, she clearly misses the gravity of the situation. She's, like... Now I'm annoyed that he tried to kill himself. And it's like, it's not, yeah, and it's not like I'm missing the Ralph you. Lauren show, and I'm like, what is your damage though? Yeah, <laughs> this is really. I think this is really the start of the damage of having to brush off what they do <laughs> on a weekly basis. Like, she's got to have that. Like, they all have to have that level of separation between, like, the battles and all the shit that happens to them and all the body gore and everything. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I think this is, like, a really good instance of, like, maybe this is bad. <laughs> yeah. Woo. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so we cut scenes to the next day. The kids are meeting up at the mall food court, of course. And they're all talking about this guy, George Edelman. Edelman? I think it's Edelman. Yeah. That's how I'm going to pronounce it. And uh, they're all kind of talking about him. And Rachel does not know this guy's name. And so Cassie's like, how? You saved this guy's life. How do you not know his name? And Rachel's like, another day, another dollar. Fuck it. Oh. <laughs> she, like, just does not care. And then she kind of feels bad. But all acts can focus on this entire time is that <laughs> Tobias promised him a cinnamon bun. <laughs> <And> <laughs> And, like, he just, like, they're like, yeah, you saved this guy's life. Look at the newspaper, blah, blah. And Axe is like, when will the promised cinnamon butt arrive? <laughs> <laughs> Which is my favorite part. Oh, God. Um, He's such a good boy. He is such a good, good boy. So innocent. <laughs> he is. And Tobias does eventually show up with, like, a giant cinnamon bun. And he's like, I thought we could all just share it. But, like, before he even gets that sentence out, Axe just, like, starts shoving everything in his mouth, including the plastic fork and the plate. And, like, Rachel just ever so delicately grabs the fork out of his open mouth <laughs> and, like, lets him continue to eat this entire cinnamon bun. Oh, and the plate. And the plate, yeah. That's great. I mean, it's, the plate's more edible than the fork is. Yeah. So... It's Unless it's a styrofoam plate, and then that's probably not great. Oh, but I, it's probably like a paper I plate. hope it's paper. <laughs> there, there are many rules for eating. <laughs> there are many rules for eating. Christ. Yeah. But, um, yeah, anyways, it, they kind of are having a conversation in the background, but Axe steals the show, and Jake just hopes that no one saw them. Then we cut again to Rachel's house, where she does bring back that it's being rebuilt, and it's not quite mm -hmm. done yet, which was... Yeah. Um, awesome because i don't think they often throw those particular kind of callbacks like to kind of ancillary issues and things so it was kind of cool to see that <laughs> um and rachel is looking for her shrimp where it was thrown out by her younger sister and rachel like goes into battle rachel mode with her younger sister and she like <laughs> shoves her finger in her face and she's like you you stole my shrimp 
And her younger sister is so pleasantly unfazed by this entire act. <laughs> She's mm. like, oh, sorry that I threw out your fucking rancid shrimp. You can't eat old shrimp. They've been in the fridge for like a week. And she's like, I was going to eat those. And she's like, sorry, I threw out your rancid, pus-filled, bacteria-crawling shrimp. <laughs> like, she just does not give a fuck. Um, but yeah, so they're arguing. Rachel's trying to be intimidating. It does not work. Uh, and, and then Rachel's mom gets home. And after some short banter, we find out that she is the one that's working the Edelman case. And she's working <laughs> to protect him from his family who wants him institutionalized. And it, they want it proven that he's incompetent, which they ask if that's where they poop a lot. That's, thank you for the poop joke. <laughs> yeah, we appreciate that, Or was it a that. pee joke? I don't quite remember. I think it was a poop joke. Well, I think okay. it was, they asked, is that the one where you have to wear the diapers? And they're like, oh, yeah. no, okay. that's incontinent. So okay. it's a poop. I have two points. And pee joke. Yeah, I'm ready. Um, so first of all, they said Naomi's not high up in the firm. Right, but how did she become but lawyer, lawyer of the year? year. What the yes. fuck? Okay, yes, there's that. And then two, is she allowed to talk about her case with her children? Um. I mean, like, she can just be like, okay, fuck that, they're, they're kids, whatever. But, like, generally. Yeah, like, generally she's not allowed to give, like, names and, and a lot of details. I mean, she didn't give a ton of detail. Well, actually, that's not true. She kind of gave away the entire case. Yeah. Hmm. All right, whatever. I don't she's know. She's rebellious and awesome. Yeah, maybe it's just, like, I don't know. I just don't know. And it's, like, I'm sure defense and prosecution are allowed to give away different details and different parts. But whatever. She's at home. It's her kids. No one cares. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And then I just wanted to make a quick shout out here because Naomi says that this guy is insane because he's claiming there's an alien living in his head and it's called a yerk or a york or something. And that made me think of the email from other Alex P who said his little brother thought that he had a teacher named Mrs. Yerk, but it was actually Mrs. York. And I was like, look, he's pretty close. Maybe he was referencing this book. Anyways, yes. Um, so then we cut to the Animorphs heading to the mental hospital to talk to this guy where they crack jokes for like 10 minutes about being nuts, which is probably, probably wouldn't fly as much in this day and age, but in the mm. 90s was like, that was the joke. The, the pinnacle of humor. That was the pinnacle of humor. But the best part of this is like, even like Cassie is kind of laughing at some of these and they're all cracking jokes back and forth about being nuts. And then Jake is like, We'd have to be nuts to find a way to break into that building. <laughs> and the spell is broken. And, and the spell is completely broken. And, like, nobody responds. And he's like, did you get it? I said they'd be nuts. And then he just gets frustrated. He's like, never mind. Let's go. <laughs> and that's oh, how they Jake. start that mission. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> he, like, did his best. <laughs> and it wasn't good. Oh, baby. Oh, poor Jake. <laughs> he tried so hard. Um, yeah, so they're, they're like, trying to break in, and then they see a food truck, and they're like, oh, shit, that's a, that's a good way in, because we can get into the back of the truck, then morph into a bug and have them carry us in. They're like, cool, that's the plan. 
So they're trying to find a place to morph. After like 20 minutes, they find an abandoned dumpster. So the three that pulled this mission were Jake, Rachel, because she saved the guy, and then Cassie and Marco flipped a coin um, because Tobias didn't have a useful morph and Axe something, something, something. No one cares. Um, But it was between (laughs) Marco and Cassie. They flipped a coin. They had to explain to Axe what flipping a coin meant, and Marco was the one that had to go. So they get into this dumpster. They morph Seagull. They're flying around, and Jake's like, okay, we gotta be super careful, like, we gotta get in here, like, you know, when the guys can't see us, and Marco's like, one, one thousand, two, one, and Rachel's like, fuck it, let's go, and, like, flies uh, into the truck. Uh, I love it! Uh, <laughs> How frustrated are you right and, now? And then I flew into a rage. <laughs> uh, <sighs> the only thing better would have been if I hadn't laughed at your joke, and we just replicated what happened to Jake. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, it was pretty good. I enjoyed it. <laughs> Yay. So yeah, they fly into the back of the truck uh, behind some boxes. Rachel's pretty impressed with her own flying skills. And they start to demorph and then remorph. And it's super tight behind those boxes. And they're like kicking each other, getting in each other's faces. Jake has his knee in, the, in Rachel's back. And uh, then they start going cockroach and everything is fine. They crawl into a crate that is kind of close to them. And... They start smelling something, like, really sweet. So they're trying to figure out what it is. And they realize after a few minutes in there that it's bananas. I'm like, okay, great. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. And then they start having this kind of adorable conversation about, like, why Cassie washes her bananas before she eats them. And uh, Jake's, he's like, oh, no, it's because of the pesticides that they spray on them. And, And Marco's like, their skin is, like, a foot thick. Why would you do that? And he's like, you know, because they spray him with, like, trace amounts to ward off the spiders. And they're like, spiders? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> okay, as soon as they fucking crawled into the crate and they're like, oh, it's bananas. I was like, huh, I wonder if they're going to encounter one of those banana spiders. Yeah. Literally a paragraph fucking later. <laughs> and the other thing is, it's, tarantulas, like, they... They have them there, but, like, the spiders that are in bananas are usually, like, black widows, and then the other spiders are banana spiders, and those things are, like, three feet long, or, like, three I know, feet they're wide. Gigantic. Yeah, so it's not like you get those caught in the crates, like, unbeknownst to everyone. Yeah, oh. Yeah. <laughs> so, this was kind of a little... <laughs> this in this book where they're morphing cockroaches in this box of spiders, this is a little, little made up, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I but... take umbrage with the spider. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, so it's a tarantula. In quotation marks. So yeah, he's and, a large arachnid. Yeah, the only good part of this was that. Rachel's like, oh, behind you. And Marco's like, oh, you're going to tell me there's a spider behind me? So I run around like a fucking idiot. I'm not falling for your bullshit, Rachel. And then <laughs> Jake's like, oh, turn around. And turn sure up, there's a spider. <laughs> turn around, Marco. <laughs> Every now and then there's a spider. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Oh, no. So. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. So the spider hones in on Rachel. She takes off running, and this thing is faster than her. So it catches up to her, clamps down on one of her legs, and it's not letting go. But she was kind of coming out of the top of the box as this thing grabbed her leg. 
And so the guy looks down and sees this spider and is like, ah, and throws the box. And there's bananas <laughs> flying everywhere. Uh, there's the crate tipped over. The cook comes out at one point. It's like, what are you doing to my, oh, no, there's a spider. Mm. And uh, Tobias, in all of the commotion, spots the spider and calls out, is that one of you guys? And Rachel's like, it's me. And so Tobias swoops in. Saves the day. The spider takes her one leg with it, but she is otherwise unscathed. And then Tobias fucking eats the spider? I mean, why not? I mean, I, why not? Sure. Sure, why not? But, like, why was he such a creep about it? <laughs> not bad. Not bad at all. <laughs> That's literally what he... I hope, I hope in his thought speak voice he went, num, 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 num. <laughs> <laughs> yes, those eight legs going down full of protein. Ew, it's still wiggling. <laughs> it's still wiggling down my throat. Gross. Um, <laughs> that's like, yeah, going back to book one where Jake ate a, a spider and it haunted him for three books. Right, yeah. And now Tobias is like, mm, yes, delicious. <laughs> <laughs> so... Without further incident, they make it into the building where Marco is like, do you think he really ate that spider? Is he just fucking with us? Which I also, <laughs> I do also love the idea of Tobias knowing that that would freak them out and just fucking with them like that. <laughs> he just like drops it in a bush. Yeah, he drops it in a bush and he's like, mm, yum, yum, spiders. <laughs> and Marco's like, oh God, why? Oh my God. Yeah. Audience, right in. What it, what do you think Tobias did, really did? <laughs> did he eat it or did he drop it? And then we'll make a poll. Them. We'll make Ooh. a poll on the Andalite Bandalite page. Okay, yes. Go to the Andalite Bandalite page. Vote in this poll that we're making. <laughs> <laughs> did Tobias eat the spider or drop it and fuck with them? <laughs> okay. Anyways, they make it into the building. And uh, that's about when Cassie chimes in with like, hey, the it's... The Idleman's right above the kitchen. You just gotta go up and then over one room. And they're like, Cassie, you're in Morph. And she's like, Axe and I went to Birds as well to monitor the situation, as it were. So, um... And then Axe is like, they are watching the show called Gilligan's Island, helpfully. <laughs> yes, and then everybody's like, how does Axe know what Gilligan's Island is? He read it in the almanac. He... What if Axe... Never mind. Maybe he watched yeah. it at Jake ha Jake's house when he was pretending to be Jake. Yeah, that could be. Hmm. Anyway. I like the incidental. idea that, like, they just invite him over to watch, like, shitty TV every once oh, in a while. Oh, yeah. That'd be pretty To cute. expand his knowledge of humanity. <laughs> right. Now that he knows who Arnold is. Yes. <laughs> Anyways, um, so, yeah, Cassie tells them where the room is, about where the room is, and they go crawling through the walls to get there pretty much without incident. There's a little bit of description about, like, climbing up the wood and, like, finding other roach poop and running into another roach. But they come out under the toilet upstairs with the plumbing and make it into the bathroom. Rachel crawls up on the windowsill, says, am I in the right spot? And they're like, yeah, pretty much. So <laughs> and they're like, so who's going to talk to this George Eidelman dude? And Rachel's like, me. So she starts demorphing in the bathroom, and this old dude just walks in, like, in, like, slippers, and I assume a house coat, like, just kind of hunched over, and he's about to go to the bathroom, and he kind of sees her, and he turns to her, and he goes, oh. She's like, can you please get George Eidelman for me? Like, very politely, nice, like, little 
cockroach girl she is. And he's just like, sure, are you real or a figment of my imagination? And she goes, oh, I'm a figment of your imagination. He goes, okay. And then goes to get George. Dude, she was so fucking lucky that that particular (laughs) guy either was on a hallucinogenic drug or had an hallucinogen-based mental illness. Yeah. Because if he hadn't, he'd be like... assumed. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I'm in Uh, the mental hospital. It's not that big of a stretch, right? (laughs) uh, Yep. Yeah, so uh, George does make his way into the room. The uh, guy was as good as his word. (laughs) And she invites him politely to sit down and then says, I'm your lawyer's assistant. (laughs) And he invites him to... She invites him to sit down on a toilet. Like... (laughs) He's like, no, thanks. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> and he does mention how it's a little weird that they're meeting in the bathroom. And she goes, please excuse my weird appearance. And he's like, you look a little young. And she goes, yes, but I'm 25. I just moisturize a lot and use sunscreen every day. Thank you. Whatever. <laughs> like, the real life advice is in the commentary. <laughs> good God. I eat healthy. I drink a lot of water and I moisturize. Eat your vegetables, kids. Eat your vegetables. <laughs> Yeah, so she uh, she basically shuts him down and then says, okay, tell me about this alien living in your head. And I felt so bad for George here because he seems, like, really beaten down. Like, oh, fuck, I don't want to explain this again. No one's going to believe me. Mm-hmm. And he's like, so, yeah, there's, like, an alien living in my head. I know it sounds crazy, but, like, it's true. And and then the yerk breaks through and just starts screaming some nonsense yerk, hork gibberish shit. And uh, he kind of gets control again after a little while. And then Rachel very bluntly goes, how does your yerk survive without Kendrona rays? And George is like, oh, she believes me. <laughs> like, it's he's like, this is great. And he goes, are you an Andalite? And she's like, yes. <laughs> so after a moment or two of just being pumped, he explains that after they destroyed the Kendrona ray 10 books ago, um, that quite by accident they discover that there's a meal replacement that the Yerks can use that will keep them alive for a little while longer without Kendrona rays. What they didn't realize is that this substance was absolutely addictive and it would slowly drive the Yerk insane because part of the mixture replaces the Yerk's brainstem. So they live as long as the hosts now, but they're absolutely insane, incoherent, non-usable as Yerks. And the replacement is instant maple ginger oatmeal. So... They make it sound like they discovered the oatmeal as a result of of the kids destroying the Kendrona rays. Where I'm more likely to buy that some of the controllers just happened to have oatmeal for breakfast one day and got addicted to it. Yeah. I mean, I so I can believe that because, like, when did we stop seeing people breaking? Like... Because it was like, they destroyed the Kendrona Ray, two books later, or whatever, it, we started seeing, um, like, oh, teachers the... and stuff breaking. Yeah, and, and the, the lady in Megamorphs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, she was, she was pretty sentient. Sentient? Word? <laughs> she is sentient. Yeah, she was, she was pretty, I, I don't know, aware, I guess? I don't yeah. know. But it was, like, it came in waves. Like, we saw it for several books after and then it kind of tapered off Uh so i would imagine that it was an accidental discovery like three or four books ago when we stopped hearing about it 
if we're making up a timeline that is sure that makes sense i like i think so because we we did see the repercussions of it and as far as we know the kindrona they still only have the like main one in the pool like they don't have enough to maintain this i don't know and X yeah is well too and this makes more sense because um when jake had the yurk in his head um like the yurk got weaker and weaker over time without the Kendrona, but mm-hmm. I don't think Jake was ever able to, like, regain control over the yurk until it, like, vanished from his head. Right, exactly. Until it started to crawl out of his ear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And maybe mm-hmm. that crazy lady had had some of the oatmeal treatment, and that was part of why she went insane with the yurk in her head. Oh. But yeah. Yeah. I think, like, there was... Not maybe hints exactly towards this ending, but there's enough shit that happened in between the two that, like, could support this theory of them finding this at some point between the Kandrona destruction and now. Sure. I think. I think so. I don't know. <laughs> I think it works. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Um... But yeah, they find out about the instant maple ginger oatmeal, which is just a disgusting flavor. (laughs) I wouldn't eat it. You're from Canada. You should love maple. With ginger? I love ginger. I love maple. I don't know that I would ever combine those two flavors. Sure. Um, Getting back to this book. So they meet up to discuss this astonishing realization in the barn. And it turns into a conversation about, um, can they do this? Can they use this weapon against them? Because the hosts suffer during this, so people suffer. There's no way to free them if the yerk is insane and stuck in their head. It lives as long as the host, and they have to live as this insane person. And it was really interesting to me. Mar- Marco and Rachel, of course, are like, yeah, let's use this weapon. It's a weapon we have. We need more weapons. We're weak. We need to use everything we've got. Mm-hmm. Tobias and Axe are the ones that are most strongly against this. Like, Tobias is very, very, very against addictive drugs, which makes <laughs> He's sense. a dare kid. He Well, he's a dare kid, but also his uncle was an alcoholic, so... Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to make a joke. <laughs> You're allowed to... He could have just been a very intense dare kid. (laughs) I found it interesting that Tobias was so strongly against it. Because I think it implies that there's other stuff going on in his background that, like, just wasn't acceptable to write into a middle grade book. Sure. Um, Wait, how do we know his dad's, or his uncle is an alcoholic? He mentions his drinking problems. Like, they don't, I don't think they specifically state it, but whenever he's talking about his home life in his earlier books... He talks about his uncle, like, drinking all the time and uh, shit. Oh, baby. I, I inferred it strongly. <laughs> okay. I mean, um, yeah, it, it would make sense. Yeah, it's not, like, written down bullet point, but, like, it, it, that's what I think she's implying there. Um, and I think here it would make sense that, like, he knows that these sorts of things ruin people's lives. And then mm-hmm. Axe is against it from an honor perspective, which we haven't seen in a little while. (laughs) (laughs) Axe is like, this is just not honorable. I know we're in a war, but we still have to decide how low we're going to stoop here. Um, Which was interesting. And then Rachel asks Cassie, who's kind of avoiding the conversation, 
what she thinks point blank and cassie is like i don't know because she is still just like confused and horrified maybe about her own actions in the mansion in the last book where she asked jake to kill that controller for her Mm -hmm. so that's interesting and then um jake kind of ties this conversation up nicely in this instance even though the larger question remains he says that they they need to use this weapon and he compares it back to the civil war and how like what they need is to be strong and have an absolute victory and it's not good that there are people taken that don't deserve to be in these battles but there's no such thing as a clean war there's always going to be some sort of loss and Hmm. uh that's kind of enough at this point to convince everybody that they have to use this weapon which is interesting because we'd had a conversation a couple episodes ago um i think i brought up like if jake versus marco had the opportunity to like kill a bunch of helpless yurks at one time Mm -hmm. i predicted that marco would say yes and jake would say no yeah so like his 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 reasoning in this case makes a lot of sense but Mm -hmm. part of me was also like kind of surprised yeah i agree with that too um and i also think it's interesting that jake is suddenly like just relying on history like it's almost like he realized his role and now he's starting to look to the past to help him figure out how to be a good leader. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but it's, that's an interesting point. I don't know. I don't know that um, he actually agrees with that either because all he stated was like, this is what they did in the past war. Like he didn't say, this is what I believe now. Sure. Yeah. But, well, yeah. and I was thinking like, theoretically, if they use the oatmeal to treat a bunch of people, and enough people said, oh, hey, by the way, there's a yurk in my head. Mm-hmm. Like, that uh, that mass amount of people could maybe expose the, the yurk somehow. That's an interesting thought, because that was the point of all of our early missions. And now we're, we're on, this is scary, book 17. And they haven't <laughs> had a mission that's like, let's just ex- mass expose this to the world and see what happens in a long time like this this plan like that that style plan just hasn't happened in forever (laughs) well and they never bring that up in this scenario like this is just something that i extrapolated yeah but like this would be like that i don't it's i like that you brought it up because it's just it's interesting when you said it I immediately was like, hey, wait, they they haven't brought that up. And this would totally earlier on be a plan that they'd be like, let's just expose as many people as possible. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting that they don't do it in this scenario. Yeah. Again, though, the Yerks would probably kill them, right? Oh, yeah, true. Yerks rhyme with jerks. <laughs> Those jerks. <laughs> also, how did they fucking know that the yerk will live as long as the host on the oatmeal. I don't know. And why didn't the yerks kill the oatmeal yerks anyway? Hmm. Unless the reason, like they, because they do seem to be cracking down really hard on this oatmeal thing later in the book. Yeah. So 
theoretically, because those yerks no longer have to expose themselves at the yerk pool, they could theoretically, like, go into hiding and start eating their oatmeal. And, like, they just slowly, like, wouldn't show up as they descended into madness more and more. And they could just, like, slip away. Oh, so the non-oatmeal yerks aren't necessarily aware of the exact yerks that are going missing? Yeah, because they don't... They seem to be, like, really cautious like when so this is like jumping way ahead but i'm just gonna do it for the sake of this conversation um when that girl tries to sneak in with the oatmeal later in the book they like really crack down on her like how could you bring this here i'm not an idiot i know what this is blah 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 but they they want to deal with like her with disciplinary action right but they're not gonna kill her yeah but they probably like locked her up somewhere yeah, so if they if the Yerks eating the oatmeal knew that that's what was going to happen, it makes sense that they would just, like, stop showing up to the Yerk pool. And they, like, they're not checking in every time they go because they they have to go to feed. And now that they don't have to, they could just slip away and the Yerks wouldn't necessarily notice. Hmm. Like, that's probably one of the biggest tricks that the Animorphs are using in this book is, like, if there's more people, they don't notice because they, they're getting new hosts every day. But also if people go missing, they're still getting new people every day. Like, they don't know every face, right? Yeah, which I think is kind of a flaw in the Yerks plan. Like, they should be keeping track of their people. Yeah, they should. I could also see that leading to, a, not that it would really matter, but I could see it leading to a lot of like, ah, oh, you don't have your ID card printed yet? Behead them! <laughs> <laughs> like, uh... Uh. The office nightmare that all of us live through. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, jeez. I forgot my ID at home again. Kill them. (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah. They really need to figure that shit out. I mean, when you're mass infesting the planet, you have to. There's going to be some loopholes. Anyways, um, the conclusion of this meeting in the barn. I'm just going to keep going until you stop me again. Um, but the conclusion of the meeting in the barn is they have to go back down to the yerk pool. And this leads to Rachel having a nightmare about the yerk pool where she dreams that she's going to become a controller. And just like any scared little kid, she hides under the covers to wait for morning, (laughs) which is really sad. Uh But this is the the start of a lot of conversation about Rachel feeling like she has this role to fill and she has no other options other than to fulfill this role she made. So I want to talk uh, about that so much. And we will. Yay. <laughs> um, yeah, so the finally it's dawn and she opens the window and just like every day where Tobias catches breakfast and it's not raining, he comes in and they do homework together. Which That's is so cute. fucking adorable. That's so cute. Yeah. And then Tobias is like, I like math. And then he, there's like some famous quote, like it's the universal language or something like that. But he's like, yeah, because like everybody does it the same or whatever. <laughs> it's, it's like that quote from Mean Girls when she says math is the same in every country. And then Damien's like, that's beautiful. This girl is deep. Aww. I love Mean Girls. <laughs> I do too. Yeah. So that's Tobias Mean Girls, is it? <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, so they, they're doing math together and Tobias starts asking her about like, what morphs will I need for the yerk pool? And she's kind of like, oh, you know, you don't have to go. And he's like, no, I, I do. And 
Then Rachel's like, okay, well, have you found us any new entrances? And Tobias is like, I do, and you're going to love it. Uh, (laughs) I'm loving it. Yup. I didn't even catch that the first time. (laughs) Yup. So then we cut to McDonald's, which is (laughs) such a weird jump cut, but okay. They walk up to the counter, or they're going to walk up to the counter and order a Happy Meal with Extra Happy. This is Why the is the meal phrase. happy? <laughs> Why is the meal happy? Yeah, nobody will answer Axe's questions. And he's asking the important questions. He is. Uh, but yeah, so Tobias has been scoping this out for weeks. And um, the way that the controllers get in, they go up to the counter, they order a happy meal with extra happy. Then they go around the back and they, instead of walking into the bathroom, walk into the kitchen and then go to the walk-in freezer, which opens and lets them in. And so the kids are like, okay, let's more fly and we'll follow a controller in. So they're like buzzing around, um, Rachel's eating grease and they're like, okay, wait for this person to order whatever the fuck this insane happy meal is. And someone finally does. They follow her around, get into the freezer where it's super cold and they're like starting to slow down because, you know, flies don't react as well in colder spaces. Axe tries to tell a joke. It's not very good. Um, yeah and then they go and they're gonna follow her through the door when all the alarms start sounding and they're like announced very pleasantly that they are in the gleet biofilter please close your eyes and axe is like get the fuck out so they all fly away as fast as they can and they are all blinded and axe is like you should be glad that that was all that happened to you and rachel's kind of not mad that they're cut off from the yerk pool at this point but then Cassie's like, I have a plan, and no one's gonna like it. <laughs> so yeah, Cassie's plan. Cut back to the barn. They're all there. Cassie has a mole. They're all gonna morph into this mole, and they're gonna dig and dig and dig and dig into the yerk pool, and they're gonna dump oatmeal down it, and it'll probably be fine, they're gonna, I guess. Wait, they're gonna dump oatmeal down the hole? I don't know if that was their specific plan, but that's, they're like, we just got to dig a hole and then get oatmeal into the pool. Somehow. Somehow. They could, oh, they could have, they could get little satchels of it and then tie it to their little mole heads and then just carry it down bit by bit. Oh, no. So cute. It's so useless. So useless. (laughs) And like, I mean, that's adorable, but like. Oh my god. I mean, the whole mole plan ended up kind of being a a little useless, like, in terms of efficiency. And also helpfulness in general. (laughs) This is a terrible plan. I didn't want to tell Cassie this because I know she's having a rough time right now, and I really feel for her, but, like, this plan's real bad. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so, um, they decide they're going to scout out a place where they're going to start digging and Tobias basically just zoops around the area and then finds like a pretty much abandoned house it's for sale but like it has been unoccupied for a very long time it's between two businesses and a decrepit park and like it's off a highway so like this is the shittiest location no wonder it hasn't (laughs) sold like this is terrible and uh there's a shed in the back and they're like oh we got a shed we got a place let's start digging um, yeah, and so Jake's like, all right, team, let's go mole, and Cassie's like, well, actually, we only need, like, one mole digging at a time, and this is where Marco is like, 
you mean I have to dig into the ground, probably die by being crushed by thousands of pounds of loose soil, and I have to do it alone. And Rachel's like, she's like, quit being a big baby. And they're like, all right, volunteer number one. <laughs> and yeah, then, let's let's choose Rachel to do the first of a new morph because she's real good at that. Yeah, she's real good at controlling those brand new morphs. Uh-huh. And true, like, true to form, she's terrible at it. But I cannot skip over this morph sequence to talk about how bad she is at controlling it because <laughs> this morph sequence is fucking hilarious. <laughs> like, yes. It's so bad. She basically what happens is she's standing there. She starts to morph to mole. Her arms and legs shrink in, so she's just standing on her like little feet. She's just got her little arms coming out of her shoulder, and then she gets bottom heavy. So she starts to fall, and everybody's mocking her. Even Cassie's laughing at her as she falls on her ass in this giant like roly poly thing. And then she says, I looked like one of those dolls that you punch and then they, like, stand right back up. (laughs) So this is hilarious. And she's still trying to, like, threaten Marco through this morphing sequence when clearly it's terrible. (laughs) I love it. It's so bad. Yeah. So that's her morph sequence. And once she is mole, she does lose control of the morph. She starts talking about how, like, ah, yes, I want to get into the ground and, like, you know, get into the darkness. It will be so comforting and warm and everything there. And um, they're like, Rachel, are you are you there? Are you, Rachel? Rachel? And then they just pull her out of the ground, like, oh, she, let's get her before she gets too far. And they, like, lift her up, and she's like, ah! And Jake's like, Rachel, snap out of it. And she does, like, on command. <laughs> so that's pretty good. <sighs> yeah, but she's definitely not the most talented at controlling new morphs well and then they were like oh you you got you got lost in the mole brain she's like no i didn't and it's like yeah you did shut up (laughs) of course she said that of course she's like no i didn't come on rachel um but yeah so they she does gain control of this morph and she starts digging she's like all right let's get to it and she's like the first one up and she's digging and digging and digging and she just starts going on about like how this is terrifying i can't breathe like i can breathe but i feel like i shouldn't be able to breathe and all the walls are closing in around me and i don't have enough room to turn around if something happens i i'm dead here i can't move i'm stuck and she freaks out she dug for as long as she could and then she comes back up and it's only been like 20 minutes and she's like no i've been digging for at least an hour and this clearly affects all of the animorphs because they all just take hour-long turns digging. They do not even try to go over, like, towards the two-hour time limit. They're mm-hmm. like, nope, one hour. <laughs> that is enough. And um, after they get through the rotation of morphing, it's back to Rachel, and they're like, okay, end of the day, let's go home and take this up again. But before they leave, they're like, let's check how fast we were able to do this. So they check their progress, and it was like 41 feet long, but because they have to go on a grade and they can't go straight down, it's only about 6.8 feet deep. And then Rachel goes like, six, six lousy feet, and Axe goes closer to seven lousy feet. <laughs> <laughs> because Axe is a goddamn treasure. He is. Um, but yeah, Tobias is the one that quickly figures out, like, oh, this is going to take us like a week to do this. And so the next sequence of events is just them spending a week after school digging and whoever's not down there digging, they're just all sitting doing homework together. And like, I, 
I just thought this was adorable. So, like, I had this moment where I'm like, Casey, you are, you love these kids' moments of them interacting. So what do you picture this week looking like? Oh, just, like, them sitting on the ground with their backs against the wall of the shed, just, like, with, like, all hunched up with their little homework. It's, oh, my God, I loved it. I loved it. (laughs) And it's like, at least they're getting their homework done, you know? Like, sometimes they have to be like, save the world, do homework. Well, I guess I have to save the world, and this book report's going to have to wait. (laughs) So, they got a little bit of a reprieve. Yeah. Yeah, they did. (laughs) I just love them. I love them, too. And I love that Axe was also just sitting there, like, listening to their homework. Like, (laughs) your science Mocking their science. It's so adorable that you think that that's how this works. Oh, my God. So, so not helpful. What was Axe doing, though? Like, Axe doesn't have homework. Like, I, what I pictured was he was just, like, listening to, like, their English assignments with, like, some curiosity. The science ones, like, you know, they said he was laughing. And then I picture him helping out, like, someone with math, like, trying to teach them how to solve this, like, equation that he learned when he was, like, what, six months old? Something like that. (laughs) Like, something that he's been doing so long, it's just ingrained in him. And him just, like, sitting there trying to explain it, like, you know, with his little, with the pencil in his little Andalite hands. Like, (laughs) oh, Oh, shit. (laughs) And then Tobias just, like, you know, helping out when he can. (laughs) Aww. Anyways, okay, (sighs) yeah. So, like, (laughs) after about a week of this, it is Friday night. They're still digging. And they're about 25 feet down at this point, And they come across a complete rock layer. And Cassie's like, we're stuck. We can't go any further. And Rachel just will not accept this. And she's trying to still be brave and be bold. And she's like, I'm going to, I'll figure this out. So she morphs into her mole morph. She goes running down the tunnel. And sure enough, she finds a fissure in the rock where they can go through. And she kind of... Sp- she hesitates and she's like do i tell them because i could tell them and they'll believe me because cassie said there was no way through as well and we could all just go home and not do this stupid fucking plan and instead she's like i have to tell them so she does and jake says okay but that's enough for today we'll come back tomorrow because it's saturday we can spend all day doing this bullshit (laughs) so they go home and the next day they show up there and they're going to dig through this rock layer, and Rachel is once again baited by Marco to go first, and she mentions how Marco says he's scared, and she's like, it must be so liberating to be able to just say, I'm scared, and to bow out, but she can't do that, and so she has to go first. She has to play this role, and she ends up going first, falls through the hole, and lands on something soft. Takes her a minute to figure out what she landed in. It's relatively soft, but she doesn't really know. But when they do figure out what it is, it's kind of gross. They now realize they're in a bat cave. And what they are laying on is a floor of straight guano. Yay. Which is bat poop. Poop. <laughs> I, you know, there's a lot more poop jokes than I initially remember in these books. <laughs> <laughs> I um, mean, it's, it's not obnoxious, though. I think. Yeah. Like, most of the time it's scientific. And there are no fart jokes, which I think are worse. Kay Applegate will not do a fart joke. It's I maintain that. Yay. She will not. <laughs> She's a classy lady, damn it. I don't know what episode I stated that in, but I stand by it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they're in the Batcave, um, and they start to go back to human because they're like, hey, when in a Batcave, let's do Batmorph. 
And Tobias kind of gets whiny for a minute. He's like, <laughs> I don't have a bat morph. And Cassie's like, well, you're in the right place, dude. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, Tobias. Tobias can you. be kind of whiny sometimes. <laughs> he absolutely can be. And this is one of those times where, like, I was like, dude, you are being so whiny right you're now. You're such a baby. Stop being a wuss. <laughs> And it, like, doesn't even end there because Rachel's like, oh, this is gross. And Tobias is like, try morphing in here with feathers. That's grosser. <laughs> <laughs> like, he just is, is having a little bit of a meltdown. Um, <laughs> but then it gets even better because they didn't realize, like, kind of how tiny this cave was when they initially landed there because they were moles. So Rachel stands up and her head, like, kind of bumps some stuff and it's just furry bats. I and love she's, it. Like, yeah, and she was like, oh, this is this is going to be good. She's like, hey, Marco, stand up. Stand up on your tiptoes. And Marco, for whatever reason, does it without question. <laughs> this is like, I was like, Marco, come on. And he stands up and he gets a face full of bats. And he's like, oh, come on. And Rachel's like, what? I shouldn't be the only one to suffer just because you're short. And oh. then they all just start laughing. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Oh, it's a pretty good prank. Oh, Aww. Rachel and Marco are really, their interactions in this book are yeah. gold. I freaking love their interactions. Like, me too. <sighs> like, don't get me wrong. I'm Rachel and Tobias forever, but I love Marco and yeah. Rachel interactions. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah. So um, Marco gets his face full of bats and Dude. then Tobias starts acquiring his bats and Jake just like kind of cracks for a moment here and he's like no great battles in history ever involved oatmeal d-day no oatmeal Civil War, <laughs> he no just oatmeal. like starts mumbling madly <laughs> he does like battle of gettysburg no oatmeal he's like he just loses it for a minute <laughs> uh, oh so funny i loved it i love jake in this book because yeah. he was just like he is so done <laughs> he is so done. He's just so that's done. A good, that's a good analogy. He's just yeah. he's just over it. Well, and especially like the last book too, where I, I like so this entire week I kept going back to the conversation we were having in our last episode about like the whole description of how well the Yerk is playing Tom and like being this beautiful instrument. And then Jake just being like, and I'm going to rip that Yerk out of your head. And like that moment of like chills and epicness and how good of a leader he is. And then in this book, he's like, no great battles. Whoever won with oatmeal. What the fuck? Like he's so fucking tired. He's like years from now, they're going to describe these great battles. And I'm going to have to have be the fucking general that has the oatmeal in his. (laughs) He's I mean, so I mean, he did spend an entire week in a shed doing homework and digging a, a hole that took forever. So I'd be done too. Yeah, yeah he's so done. <laughs> and then now his weekend is going to be spent in this goddamn bat cave, <laughs> covered in shit. Covered in shit in the dark. He's pissed. <laughs> they eventually do all morph to bat, and we get. A decent description, but um, I thought this one was cool just because we couldn't see any of the changes, so it was more about, like, she tried to touch her face, and then, like, her fingers were caught in, like, that webbing between the fingers, and mm-hmm. it, like, I thought it was a cool description just because it's it was different than every other one, because we can't see anything. Yeah. Um, but then they turn on their echolocation, and they start finding their way through the tunnel 
After a little while of flying through this main cave area, they do find this side path, and they're like, like, we all assume this is the Yurk Pool. That's the way into the Yurk Pool. And Jake gives them a second, and he says, hey, we can all go home. We don't have to do this. And Rachel's the one that says, let's do it. We're here. Let's get what we came for. And... Ah, she doesn't want to do it. No one wants to do it. Rachel is just saying this to play her part. There is no reason to do this. Uh. But she does. Um, And for a moment, it's very cool. They're flying through this small crack in the wall, and Rachel's like, oh, this is so, like, this is very Star Wars. This is, like, you know that part where they're flying through the half-built Death Star? And then she's cut off <laughs> um, because they're talking about other shit. And, uh, Axe is, again, he said, maybe this plan will work. We get another description of Axe falling asleep in school, where he (laughs) says he doesn't fall asleep, he just becomes somewhat unresponsive and daydreams and becomes slow. But it's not sleep. It's fine. (laughs) He's such a bad student. He is. And then he, like, tries to redeem himself by saying, like, but some days I paid attention. (laughs) Some days I tried. Yeah, some days I tried. Um, and we find out Yerks do have mouths, but they, for absorbing Kendrona rays, they have nodes. Yeah. So, yeah. So he thinks the oatmeal plan will work. And Marco's like, great. There's nothing I love more than wasting this shit on a maybe. And then, <laughs> <laughs> like, Marco's, he's so on point in this book. <laughs> so they come out into this larger cave area and they're like, ah, oh, yes, the Yerk pool. But they are immediately accosted by these hunter robots, which are like giant floating beach balls. Very Star Wars, since Mm -hmm. we're talking Star Wars. Mm -hmm. Um, And Rachel's the first one to get hit, but it just hits her on one of the membranes of her wings. And she says it seared a neat dime-sized hole into one of her wings. And so they're like, all right, turn around, get the fuck out of here. This is not what we signed up for. Um, But the thing hits Tobias next. And he has like one mangled wing and one good wing. And they're saying the only reason that he didn't immediately plummet was because he's so good at flying. He was able to kind of slow himself down. And Rachel caught up to him, caught him. Um, I think Jake and Axe were the other two that that kind of met up and caught him. And they're trying to, like, pull him up and, and get him out of there. But, like, because they're slowed down and because these robots are after them, things just go to shit. So um, Axe gets hit. He kind of goes tumbling away. Tobias says, just get me to a wall I can hang. And they're like, oh, good idea. So they kind of are pulling him that way. And people are getting, like, hit or near misses. They do get Tobias over to the wall. He clings to it. Rachel lands next to him. But the the one hunter robot is still, like, right on their tail. And somebody asks Axe, do they have a weak point? He goes, yeah, they have a lens on them. So Cassie and Marco find tiny rocks and start throwing it at the thing. They manage to crack one lens, which works. The hunter robot goes away, but there's another one that's still like 20 feet away coming at them. And Rachel just puts her one little bat wing over Tobias to shield him. And then the robot fires and burns that wing clean off of her. And she goes tumbling into the pool below. I have, but she did save his life. I have a quick digression. Yes. Um, I've been noticing, like, literally just now I've noticed this, Cassie rarely ever gets injured on a mission. Yeah. And is that because she probably plays it a little safe when they're in the midst of things? I, okay, that's a really good question, because I don't know that I've ever thought about that specifically, but um, I would say, yeah, she plays it safe, but rightfully so, because if you're thinking about all of their battle morphs, 
Hers is the most vulnerable. She has the weakest one, mm-hmm. but her strength lies in the fact that she's one of the quickest, and she has that sense of smell, and she's able to kind of get in, get out, dodge really easily, where the rest of them kind of... Um, They're bigger They kind of have more tank morphs. Yeah, like the gorilla isn't particularly fast. The grizzly obviously isn't. The tiger's quick, but, like, it has so much more power than the wolf. Like, they... I mean, Tobias, he's, he's a hawk. I mean, I don't I don't really want to get into him so much right now yeah. because that's a whole other can of worms. But, uh-huh. like, focusing on the main team before Tobias rejoined, I would say she has to play it the safest because of how small and quick she has to be. So it makes sense because she can't get a limb torn off and still be okay, right? Like, that would be yeah. a death toll for her. Whereas the others, maybe not. Well, and I'm even thinking of, like, the last book when they were all birds trying to fly into Fenestra's house. And, mm-hmm. like, like Rachel obviously got taken out. And, like, um, I think it was Axe also got... Yeah. I, I don't know. Like, even in any situation, I feel like she rarely ever takes a hit. Maybe. And this is um, total off-the-rails theory. Has I have no basis for you but maybe it's because of her being in a stream and she's just better at controlling the morphs like she can react faster because she doesn't have that extra layer to go through that the other animorphs do where it's like thought translate thought into animal brain animal body reacts or or it could be that like say say that they're like a group running or flying towards something and something approaches from the right maybe she like unconsciously like goes away from it because like she's scared, obviously. Like, like she, her her yeah. instinct isn't to meet it head on; it's to like run away. Because like I'm thinking about Megamorphs when um, Marco got taken and and she was like too scared to do anything. So maybe it's just like an unconscious like, mm. oh shit, mm-hmm. I'm gonna hop yeah. away. And uh, the reaction too when she was in the bathroom and her instinct was like just get small to get out of the way. Yeah, don't don't join the fight. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that absolutely could be. Yeah. Anyway, that's and just something I thought of just now. Yeah, no, that's super interesting. And, like, that makes sense because fighting isn't ever her strong suit. Yeah. <laughs> like, she does. She fights. She does it well. She's She contributes to the team. It's just not what mm-hmm. she's good at. Whereas the other ones all have, you know, something going for them i would say other than tobias tobias is another one that's not great in a fight but he can he'll still throw himself in with reckless abandon where cassie will not mm-hmm. yeah interesting yeah but she doesn't get hurt I'll, but the other thing is in this book for as again close as rachel and cassie are when there's group discussions like there's many of them where cassie is the only one who doesn't talk at all Mm-hmm. Like, she laughs along with the group, or Cassie did this, but, like, she doesn't contribute at all in this book. And I think the introductions, I shouldn't say at all, because she obviously contributes to the mission, but, like, vocally, she's yeah. just not there as a presence. Like, in the opening, they were all having a discussion, and it was like, oh, yeah, Cassie was there. She laughed at that joke. But, like, she was the only one that didn't say anything. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's a, It's another situation where I think... Although, see, normally Rachel books are where we get those Cassie-Rachel interactions where we're like, oh, we really feel like they're friends. And I, now in this book, it's yeah. like nothing. Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't feeling the friendship in this book. Um, I was not at all. Yeah. Even though Rachel said a couple times, like, oh, like, I was really scared when Cassie didn't immediately say, oh, we have to do this thing. 
because of morality because she she makes up in the morality where I am ruthless or like mm-hmm. the thought of Cassie being hurt made me want to cry and it's like you're saying this but I I'm not believing it in this particular right. book. So it right. really yo-yos for me like whether I feel like they're best friends or not. Yeah. And it I don't know. I got way more like I felt like she was much closer with Tobias and Marco in this book than mm-hmm. anyone else. Yeah. Anyways, um she protects Tobias, gets her wing blown off, and then falls into the yerk pool. Dun dun dun. Mm-hmm. So she lands in the churning, rolling waters. And by water, we mean that lead, watery gunk stuff that they swim in. Poop. And, um, yeah, poop. It's probably poop. <laughs> <laughs> and she's desperately trying to echolocate, but because she can't get above the churning waters, she can't really see anything. Um, so she can see above her Cassie coming down. So there you go. Cassie did start in this one. And Rachel's just like, back off. Like, don't get yourselves killed. <laughs> And they do. They listen to her. They just back right off. Um, which we could, again, have another discussion about how Jake would leave her, but not, like, if it was Cassie or something, he'd be right down in that water with yeah. her. But, again, Rachel can take care of herself where the others cannot. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, they, they don't... They back off. They're not going to get themselves killed. And after a minute or two of just being in this water, she keeps, like, panicking every time a yerk bumps her thinking like oh god they know i'm here and then she realizes they're not reacting to her at all they're they're blind we knew that but she's like how do they like how do they even know anything in their natural state and she takes a quick moment to like consider how do they find their hosts again when they're feeding in the pool but then she's like never mind i gotta figure out how to get myself out of here first and so she's being hauled along in kind of a circle like there's a current under the water that that kind of spins around the pool and so she's being hauled towards the uh the pier the metal pier where they tumble people over so their heads go underwater and and they can get reinfested and she sees it coming up and kind of comes up with a quick plan which (laughs) goes between just morphing into a shark and trying to tear as many yurks apart as possible and escaping Hmm. and uh she has a couple moments where she struggles between the two she does decide, like, hey, I'll just start morphing back to human. And as she goes under the pier, she reaches up and grabs it. And she's like, you know, I could go shark, though. And just, you know, take as many yurks as I can until they shoot me. And she's like, ugh, better not do that plan. <laughs> so she goes back to human. She's hanging out under the pier. And she can see people, like, walking above her. She can obviously hear the screams, all the shit that's happening around them, all the people getting infested. And uh, then she starts morphing again to a morph she promised she'd never do. And what she's doing is ant morph. This part is kind of weird. Like, she becomes an ant. She walks slash rides on the lead water stuff over to a beam. And she does make it up out of the pool as an ant uh, climbs up onto a host body and, like, rides it to freedom. Uh, and after a while of riding on this guy's shirt where she insults him and says he bought a cheap shirt, she then decides <laughs> to try and jump off. She does. She's like, cheap. Cheap fabric. Fuck this. Um, she tries to jump off, but because she's an ant, she just lets go and, like, tumbles away. And then she scurries around blindly trying to find a place to demorph, but she doesn't have any idea of where she really is. Like, it. Yeah. this sort of fear, I think, would paralyze other animorphs. Yeah. <laughs> She just kind of got lucky. She got super lucky. Um, she found 
someplace. She doesn't really know where to demorph that's big enough. So she starts demorphing. About halfway through, she gets her sight back and realizes... Whoa, whoa, whoa. I stuttered a lot. (laughs) Halfway through, she gets her sight back and she realizes she's in some sort of storeroom. And there's boxes there with panels on them. So she hits the panel because why the fuck not? And uh, it opens up to a bunch of Draken beams. And she's like, all right, I'll have one of those. And (laughs) grabs a Draken beam. And very shortly after that, a hork opens up the door, enters the storeroom, and she kind of panics and just fires at the thing. Luckily, it was on the low setting, so she makes a very, very good joke about setting phasers to stun, which <laughs> I appreciated Love thoroughly. It. Yup, me too. Um, and then a woman enters right after, and she stuns her too. And then just starts, like, taking her shit. She's like, I'll have her shoes. They're a little small, but whatever. And then she takes her blazer, and she checks the label because she's Rachel. She's like, oh, DKNY, I don't mind if I do. And puts on that blazer. She puts her hair up in a very nice ponytail and grabs the woman's glasses and is like, I look good enough to walk around the yerk pool now. She's wearing, like, a fucking, like, probably bright pink or green leotard with this fucking blazer. (laughs) I, to be fair, I believe hers is black. I Uh-oh. believe she almost always has a black leotard. Oh, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. Sorry. So I, that's, that is the only redeeming factor here, is that even in this day and age, a black leotard with a very fancy blazer and some nice shoes, you could pass as fancy. I was picturing, like, the shitty, like, 90s, like, hot pink with the green. Oh, of... that's what Cassie's wearing. 100% oh, yeah. that is what Cassie is wearing. Cassie the fashion fashion challenge fashion one. queen. So yeah, she puts herself together, walks out of the storeroom, shoots the driver that was there with the, the hork majeure and the lady, and then just, like, takes off for a casual walk around the yerk pool. Um, so she gets out there, again, just casual stroll around to see what's happening and who's there and so on and so forth. And uh, she has a moment where she's like, what would happen if I just aimed this Draken beam at the pool at maximum power? And she's like, well, I wouldn't see my friends again, so I better not do that right now. And then she realizes that there's a commotion happening a little ways away. She goes over to see what's happening, and Axe is getting taken as an Andalite. He has demorphed. He is surrounded by 30 hork They all have weapons leveled at him, so he gives in for now. And he gets like bound at the wrist, bound at the feet, and then something put on his tail blade to stop it from cutting people. (laughs) They put the safety on his tail blade. They did. And it's all shit they have laying around the yerk pool somehow. Mm -hmm. On hand. Yep. But um, Axe gets dragged away, and as he does, Rachel has a very short dialogue with a controller who's basically like, ah, I wish I could stick around to see what happened, but mm, I'm a judge. I gotta go to work. Bye-bye now. <laughs> and Rachel's like, ah, she's scared. She's leaving. She's smart. Um, Marco then tries to check in with her and Cassie, and he just kind of puts, like, a PSA out. <laughs> He's like, Rachel, I can't hear you, but just in case you can hear me, Jake and Axe and Tobias are all taken I'm not, Cassie's missing, and I'm trying to find you. Goodbye. <laughs> like, <laughs> and Rachel's like, I can't respond, obviously, because I'm a human, but um, thanks for the, the PSA, Marco, I guess. Um, and that's when we get that moment that we were talking about earlier where Rachel then sees a girl kind of being escorted past her, and this girl has this contain- like Tupperware container, and the Yerks are like, just shit talking this girl they're like 
how could you fall prey to this drug use bullshit, you know? You're, you're as shitty as your human morph, which they're starting to realize human morphs are insidious, which is hilarious to me that they said that. Um, Humans And suck. then, yeah, they're basically just like these human morphs are influencing us more than we would like. So maybe they're not so good. And then they take away, like, the girl's like, it's not oatmeal, it's raisin bran. And he's like, I'm not, not an mine. idiot. There are no raisins. <laughs> this isn't mine. Oh. They put it in my backpack. Oh, no. Um, so they, they confiscate the oatmeal, and they say something, like, very obnoxiously obvious, like, add it to the other 198 pounds of oatmeal we have <laughs> in the store. They, they were super specific, and Rachel's like, ha, now I know there's 200 pounds of oatmeal in the York pool. It's a nice round uh, number, too. Of course. It always is. Yeah. So Rachel's, like, trying to piece this plan together. She's like, okay, now I know who's captured, I know who's free, I know Cassie's missing, and I know there's a shit ton of oatmeal here. How do I make this work for me? <laughs> um, <laughs> as she's trying to figure out this plan, alarms just start blaring. People are, like, rushing everywhere. Some guy bumps into her. And the whole reason the alarms went off is because somebody found the bodies that she knocked out earlier. And she's <laughs> like, ah, shit, I should have realized that this would have been a problem. But she didn't. Um, so some guy bumps into her and he's like, what are you doing? Get to your battle stations. There's Andalite scum among us and it could be, <gasps> it could be anyone and you're not reacting. <gasps> it could be you. And while this guy is like going through those three steps of thought, Rachel just steps up to him and Drake and beams him in the stomach like a fucking mafia thug member, <laughs> <laughs> which is awesome. It was awesome. Um, it was so cool. But the problem with that is that some of the energy bounced back and hit her and so Rachel just goes, this guy tried to drink and beat me. He's one of the bandits. He tried to drink and beat me with this. And like holds up her gun that she stole. And uh, she, the, the guys all start freaking out and like going up to this one controller. And she just kind of jumps back into the crowd. And then somebody goes, where's that girl that was just here? And then Cassie is right in front of her. And she's like, what's up, Rachel? And Rachel's like, holy shit, thank God you're here. But... She has a brief moment of, like, thank God I found Cassie before the entire top of the cavern splits open and bug fighters descend upon the Yerk pool. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Mm, who could that be? Well, we're about to find out. <laughs> it's Visor 3. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. I thought it was Fluffer McKitty. <laughs> what if it Come was to kill them McKitty? all. And then they, like clomp the ramp down and fluffer mckitty comes like strolling out like sashaying with his tail waving in the air <laughs> is he wearing little boots because that would be adorable oh my god so he can clomp on the ramp. Yes. he needed to add them so he could make the appropriate amount of noise yeah the ominous sound effect the ominous sound effect. what if they were kitten mittens oh no. <laughs> i love it uh yes anyways um it's it's not fluffer mckitty it's it's visor three damn it sorry i'm sorry visor three should really get a fluffer mckitty morph though <laughs> yep um and visor three in his infinite amount of wisdom just orders everybody to stand perfectly still until they are checked <laughs> like like you do with a bunch of like kindergartners yeah like wow exactly like that wow one, two, three, freeze. Yeah. Um, and then he also, contradictory, orders that if they see any movement at all, to destroy it. So Rachel's, like, standing there with Cassie. 
they're almost in the cafeteria, but like there's one row of just a taxon and a couple couple dudes that are that are in their way that will notice if the two of them sneak into the cafeteria. So what does Rachel do? She busts out her gun again, shoots them all, and says, "Hey, they moved. They're Andalite bandits." And then shoots like two other dudes just for good measure. And then they duck into the cafeteria. And, like, go <laughs> running across this cafeteria. Oh and Visor 3 is behind them shouting, who's shooting over there? Who's shooting? And they're, like, knocking chairs aside, bumping into shit. They see a door for a supply closet. And they're, like, in there! They wrench the door open. And there's just a gorilla, like, quietly eating a banana, lounging around on a bunch of boxes. And they're, like, Marco? And he's, like, nah, some other gorilla. <laughs> He's so sassy. Sass and I just love the visual of him lounging. Like, yes. Yeah. You know, <laughs> our mind is head. Like, hey, what's up? <laughs> hey, ladies. How's it going? Hey, ladies. Uh, so, um, <laughs> Rachel basically lays out the plan for Marco. And it really felt like a moment where Rachel has just mentioned earlier how she's good at seeing the path right in front of her and what to do in battle. But she's not great at seeing the broader plan. So she basically lays out the current state of affairs for Marco and is like, what's the plan? And Marco asks her, and she's just like, throw oatmeal in the pool. I don't know. And Marco's like, okay. And he cuts her off this time because Rachel's about to go, all right, let's do this plan. And Marco's like, no, no, allow me. Let's do it. (laughs) I fucking love Marco. You can't stop me. So Rachel starts to go grizzly, but decides this is not the time for grizzly. So she goes elephant. (laughs) And she almost impales Marco with her tusks as they come out. And he drops a draken beam under her and has to crawl awkwardly under her elephant morph to get it. And they're like, all right, now we're ready to roll. And they're like, yeah. So Rachel leans against the wall. They see the oatmeal shed in front of them. It's like 30 feet away, maybe. So they run for it. They charge through some hork Rachel gets a little bit slashed, but not bad. And then she busts through the shed. And she grabs a barrel of oatmeal in her trunk because they realize these oatmeals is being, the oatmeal is being stored in these like 50 gallon drum kind of a thing. So she grabs it and just throws it in the middle of the yerk pool. And it just floats. <laughs> and they're like, oh, fuck, we didn't think this through. And they're like, wait, we have a dragon beam. Marco, shoot it. So Marco levels the dragon beam at the oatmeal barrel and says, Your move, Vizzer. So the Vizzer does some yeah. quick mental math and then monologues at them and says, There's only a thousand yurks in this pool. It would affect maybe half of them before we could get this mess cleaned up. So I don't really care if you blow it up. And then Rachel's like, Okay, so how do we make him care? And she's like, I know. She charges Vizzer 3, goes through a hork grabs Visor 3 and throws him into the pool, but not before he slashes, like, half of her face open and blinds her in one eye. So she's, like, bleeding profusely, blind in <laughs> one eye, and she's like, whatever. Um, and then there, <laughs> then she starts threatening him. She's like, now do you care? So he did. He cared a little. She's gotten so good she's... at throwing people. Yeah, she's really killing it. She also hit the the barrel on the first try. That was pretty good. Um, Impressive. Yeah. 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 Um, Basically, once Visitor 3 is bobbing around in the little, like a little kid in the pool, um, (laughs) everybody freezes 
And they're like, don't move a muscle. We're going to fucking sort this. So Rachel just starts kicking barrels of oatmeal into the pool. (laughs) Meanwhile, like, Marco's freeing people, I guess. Like, freeing Jake and Axe and and Tobias. And then they start slowly, like, cartoon-like backing up the stairs ever so slowly. And Tobias goes, hey, Visor 3 is morphing. And they're like, what? So Marco fires off the Draken beam, shoots the thing, blows up the barrel, which, by the way, the sound description in the book was so accurate. If you've ever heard, like, a barrel just, like, Mm -hmm. that's exactly correct. (laughs) So he blows up the barrel, but it it doesn't really do much other than cause absolute pandemonium with all the controllers running around. It doesn't stop anybody. It doesn't seem to be helping anyone. (laughs) Everybody just starts screaming and running. (laughs) So they're all backing up the stairs, and Visor 3 is, like, coming out of this gooshing, whooshing pool as some sort of pterosaur creature, and that's when Rachel starts to pass out from the blood loss from her injury. So they're all screaming, like, demorph, demorph, and she's trying not to because she doesn't want to give away who they are, but they're like, you just have to. So now Visor 3 and Horkbajer are bounding up the stairs after them, like, or I guess Visor 3's flying as some sort of pterosaur quill creature. Again, Quill Creature. His or Applegate's favorite. I don't know. But he really likes having those quills. And (laughs) as Rachel's, like, becoming human, she realizes something. She grabs the Draken Beam and just goes, everybody go mole. And then Draken Beams the cave down and collapses everything on them. Okay. Good plan, Rachel. Mm. Good plan. But it works. (laughs) Um, she was a little worried about the ones who are still in their battle morphs. Like, um, I think Marco was still a gorilla, and I think Cassie was wolf at that point. She yeah. was, but they're hardy creatures. So they go back to human, then go mole. They dig their way up. They do have to stop at some point and carve out a cavern large enough for them to demorph. Which how? she said, I, I don't know how. That would not work in no. my mind. But allegedly they do. Moles are very small. Moles are very small. I mean, they're small children, but still. Um, they, I guess, demorph at some point and then keep coming up. And Tobias is the last one up many hours later. And they're all standing in this bat tunnel waiting for him. So when he finally does make it out, Rachel starts screaming at him that they were worried sick. And Tobias is just super happy that she cares. Aww. Which is adorable. She cares uh, so much by yelling at him. <laughs> He knows that that's the real sign of love, oh, is screaming at someone. Um, but yeah, so he, she yells at him. He's he's very happy that she cares. And uh, then the cave starts coming alive around them, and all of the bats start flying out, and they realize it must be sundown. I think it's Cassie that says, like, of what day? Or maybe it's Rachel. One of them's like, what day is it? But whatever, what it's sundown. It? What year is it? <laughs> uh, but it's sundown, so they all morph to bat and they are too tired to say much of anything so they head home and we cut to rachel in her house her mom walks in and starts to chastise her and is just like and where have you been all day young lady but then the phone rings so she picks up the phone and it seems to be a weird conversation she's not saying too much she's just kind of like really okay and she hangs up the phone she goes well I guess I'm off that case. (laughs) And they're like, what happened? And she goes, well, apparently a talking grizzly bear showed up to George Edelman's mental institution, 
knocked down a bunch of doors, and basically just told him to get out of there and not to do anything stupid because she's had the bear has had a really trying day. And Rachel's like, what? That sounds crazy. <laughs> and her sisters are all like, Mom, are you sure? Like, that's really wacky. And she's like, don't look at me. I was just told this. I Don't look at me like I'm the insane one. And they're all like, that's crazy. Um, and then Rachel kind of encourages that line of thinking and ends the book by saying, if you ever hear a person raving in the street, please give them some spare change. <laughs> I guess that's good advice. Okay. I mean, sure. What if they're not asking for change? What if they're like one of those, the end is nigh? Give them a high five and say, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Woo, apocalypse. Woo. Um, <laughs> so have you taken the time to bring all your thoughts about Rachel together? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Um, okay, I'm ready. So, uh, I, I initially predicted that um, I was going to come into this recording feeling one way, and then as we went through, I was going to feel better about it. And that did happen. Um, but <laughs> basically, I think you remember in episode seven, I kind of made the comments like, I don't really understand Rachel. I don't really understand why she acts this mm-hmm. way. Like, it's kind of frustrating. Um there were parts of this book that I, I went back to that emotion and amplified it like tenfold. <laughs> I was so frustrated with her for a lot of this book. Um, just fucking. All right. Let me preface this by saying the last third of the book. Awesome. She was absolutely awesome. I loved her. Um, and I think that's because a lot of the times with Rachel, she'll be walking down a fork in the road and one sign will say, this is the smart thing to do. It may not be the solution that you want to do because you just want to, like, kill everything, but it's the smart thing mm-hmm. to do. And the other route is, fuck that, let's kill everything. And in the last third of the book, she took the first route. And I was like, okay, that's good. Like, this is this is intelligent and not crazy. And there were other times where she was just like, yep, fuck it, I'm doing this other thing. Fuck the consequences. Um... I, I admire that she is brave and I admire that, you know, she does things for the greater good, but fucking hell. Sometimes she just ah, <laughs> she dives into situations willy nilly. And the thing, the things that bother me are three things. A, when she does reckless things, when she doesn't need to, like when she, does reckless things during, like, simple recon missions. Like, when she just, like, fucking dove into the truck. And, like, willy-nilly. That drove me a little nuts. Um, And, like, when she dove into Finester's house, and you'd think that she wouldn't dive into things like trucks and water after diving into a window and getting zapped. But no, she still does it. Um, I got mad when Jake said, Hey, Rachel, that was kind of stupid. And she got mad at him. Like, that, that kind of annoyed me. It's like, no. Like, you know you do stupid things. Own up to the fact that you that you did this stupid thing. And and don't, don't get mad at Edelman for jumping out a window when you do crazy shit all the time and you risk your life and the lives of your comrades. And then three, I can't... Like, a bunch of the kids do this and it drives me crazy. I hate it when they lie about being fine and then doing things anyway, even though it's going to be a detriment to the team and the mission. 
And at some point in the book, in this book, she says, I am, as far as I'm concerned, I'm responsible to myself. And I'm just sitting here like, yeah, but your actions have consequences. <laughs> ah! And, and like, at some point, you're just, you're not being a hero. You're being a detriment. And she almost compulsively lies about being fine. And I know it's because she doesn't want to appear weak. But, like, when Jake does it, it's because he's the leader. He has to appear strong. And he still does appear vulnerable at times. Like, he'll sit with Cassie and be like, I'm so fucking scared, but I have to be strong. Like, that's one thing. And then, like, Marco was, you know, he was doing the whole, like, I have to be strong and I have to be funny in the face of danger. Um, And it's like, he was doing that because he didn't want people pitying him about his mom. And that... Like, it was coming from kind of a selfish place, I think. But Marco also has some sense of self-preservation. And so he can, like, judge the situation and deem it, you know, stupid or dangerous and show some hesitation. So I feel like that kind of rounds him out. But with Rachel, I, I don't... I just... I don't understand her motivations apart from the fact that, like, she just can't so show weakness. And I don't know why. And it comes off as... She can't show weakness because she will feel stupid or ashamed. And I think that's coming from a very selfish place. And, like, it's fine if you feel that way, but if it's affecting your work and it's affecting the people around you, like, it's not about you. It's about them. And But, like I said, I liked her in the third, half of the, in the third part of the book when she was, like, doing stuff. And... She was thinking and she was considering and she wasn't trying to be this gung-ho hero and she wanted to be, but then was like, maybe not. Maybe that's not the smartest route to go. I loved that. And this could be just me because I'm nothing like Rachel. So maybe I'm just having a hard time relating to her because like, like I've mentioned before, I'm more similar to Cassie. I'm more similar to like Marco. And it's really hard for me to relate to Rachel. And I don't understand how she got this way. Like, we had talked about her dad kind of treating her like like a boy and saying, don't cry, don't show weakness, etc., etc. But I, if she came from a family where it was like, fight or die, I could see her, I could see why she would act the way she does. But the fact that she like gets along with her parents and she gets along with her sisters and she's got a very cushy life, I just don't understand why she's so combative all the time. Okay, what are your thoughts? I, so no, I I I liked all of that, and I don't I don't want to say too much because like uh-huh. a lot of what she does is out of control, and there's no defending what what she does. Um, yeah. So I think the only point that I'm gonna kind of speak to a little bit is the point of where she's coming from because I think maybe I can add a little bit of context to it and it you uh-huh. you probably already know it and it might not be too helpful but I think maybe maybe I can add something to it um, and I think it's just helpful in her book to look at where the other characters are right now where other where other good good friends are right now so mm-hmm. Rachel does like just like the when Jake told Marco if you're not joking then everybody thinks something's wrong and you put the team on edge 
every single team member looks at Rachel at this point and says, she's the crazy brave one. She's the one that rushes into battle. She was made for this. This is her destiny. And right now, Cassie is doubting herself. And Cassie's doubting where she's coming from. And Marco's just had this big doubtful moment with his mom where he fucked up part of the mission because he wouldn't tell anybody that that was his mom and he wasn't joking and he was having struggles and jake is clearly fed up with everybody in this book um (laughs) yeah and tobias is freaking out because he just got his powers back and he just doesn't know where he fits in and so rachel who inherently feels like she needs to take care of all these people and be the strong crazy battle like bloodied one She's coming from a place of she can't, she's the strongest one there and she has to be strong for everybody. And she's still cracking though. (laughs) Like, that's why she makes some stupid, reckless decisions that are not smart and she doesn't think through because she's cracking just as much as everybody else. She just doesn't talk about it. Even in her own narrative, she will not talk about it. Mm -hmm. So that's, I think, a little bit of where she's coming from. I don't know if that helps. Well, like, I get what you're saying. Like, she has to be the strong one because everyone else is, you know, kind of suffering, like, openly. But that makes sense. But I also don't really feel that from her. I'm just, I'm getting a lot more of, I did this thing. It wasn't smart. I got yelled at. So I'm going to react defensively and with shame instead of owning up to the fact that I did something stupid. Like, that's what drives me nuts. Like, the fact that she will not admit that she's wrong and she won't grow in that regard. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, it was when she got mad at Jake and when she was very callous about saving Edelman, mm-hmm. like, the fact that she, like, didn't care about his name, just, you know, she like, all he was to her was an inconvenience. And it's... That, I don't know, it just, it just showed kind of a lack of humanity, I think. See, I don't, in that particular instance, like, I, I agree with you, and I think that that flaw is absolutely what makes her so interesting as a character to me, but the Edelman mm-hmm. thing, I, I read a bit differently, because I read it as she saves so many people all the time, what's another person that she saved? Like, she doesn't bother to learn the name of, like, the, the citizens of earth that they're saving like it's important to cassie because it's an instance of her being a hero but to her it's like Mm -hmm. yeah it's just another day at work like who cares like it's just someone else i saved i'll save a thousand more people i'm not gonna learn their names that's a lot of names like fuck it i don't have time for this like i just gotta save the world that's all i have time for yeah but yeah i i mean i can see that from i can see it from both perspectives and i liked that cassie's perspective played I think Cassie definitely came from where you're coming from more, too, with this. Of, like, how can you not care about this? Like, how can you not... Like, why Why don't you care? <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, I can, mm-hmm. I can talk... I don't want to, though. I mean, I can, I can talk more <laughs> to, like, why I think she is that way. And again, like, I relate... I, I relate a lot to her. Um, just because, I don't know, I was a rage-filled kid, too. Like... You could, I mean, yeah. like, when you're saying, like, oh, yeah, she comes from, like, a pretty cushy life and nothing's wrong. I don't understand why she's so combative. I'm like, yeah, that's me. 
and like a lot of this may be coming from the fact that I am, I, like I said, I am so different from Rachel. I don't quite understand her on like a basic level because we are so different. Um, but I just feel like there's kind of a balance with the other characters that Rachel doesn't have as much of. Like there's something about all the other characters, even though I'm very different from a lot mm-hmm. of them, there's something there that I can grasp and hold on to and be like, okay, I, I empathize with that. They're, and they're a lot harder to come by with Rachel. So a lot of this might be my personal bias just because we're so different, um, which is hard to kind of gauge at this point. That's a really, really interesting thought that we can't talk about until we're 40 more books in. But that's really (laughs) interesting that you say that. So I want you to hold on to that for a while. Keep that in your back pocket. (laughs) Put a pen in that. (laughs) I I love that thought. Okay. (laughs) And fucking, like, again, like, I really like her in very specific instances. But the instances where I don't agree with her on something, I just really don't agree and, like, it's the same with some of the other characters, too. But And I don't know why it's just, it hits me so much harder with Rachel. Like, I'm just, maybe her rage is contagious. I don't know. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, I mean, I I don't know. And, I like, I don't want to, this is going to sound weird. Like, I don't want to argue with anything that you're saying because it's all true. And it's all, mm-hmm. like, you're right on with everything you're saying. It's I think for me, I just can relate to that. Like, you know, mm-hmm. just it's yeah, it's stupid, but fuck it. <laughs> like, I don't know. There's something oh, no. about that that I can appreciate. Like, but what about just being bold instead of thinking it through? Like everybody else is thinking it through. So what if I just like acted and saw what happened? Like, you know, and I think that I don't know. I don't I don't want to. I don't want to argue with your points because they're all right. (laughs) I just have a lot of thoughts. (laughs) Okay. Thoughts that you can't talk about yet. Well, I I don't even know that I can't talk about them. I'm just not sure I can um, build them into a cohesive whole. And I also, I guess, I guess the last thing I'll say about this book, um, when you're talking about like the first two thirds versus the last third, it did definitely feel, um, like, she was unnecessarily enraged from the beginning. And I think that that would have been an effective literary tool if we had known the reason that she was so angry at first. Like, even, like, you know, arguing with Jordan and, like, getting intense over, like, the shrimp. And it turned into this, like, yeah. pissing contest of, like, well, I just can't lose. I'm in the wrong, but I can't fucking lose. So I'm just going to keep, like, doubling down. Which... I am guilty of, so I get that, <laughs> but, oh, no. um, but yeah, like, I just, I agree that the first two thirds of this book, just her character isn't as strong as the final third where she was still reckless and she was still mm-hmm. making compulsive decisions, but she was doing it in a way, like, I... I almost feel like it was written that way just to show us, like, she kept telling us, like, I'm very good when the plan is right here, right now in front of me. 
I am not as good at the bigger plan. And it almost feels like the way this book was written was a show don't tell us moment where she was very, very bad when she had time to think about it and it was calm and her actions were were drawn out. But when she was in the heat of the moment and reacting, 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 she picked the right move again and again. <laughs> like, yeah, um, I don't know. I don't know if that's accurate, yeah. but that's kind of what it felt like because you're right. The first two thirds, it's like, Jesus, why? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, again, I don't mind her being reckless, but there's a line I wrote in my comic. Hopefully I didn't subconsciously lift it from somewhere. But... <laughs> I hope you did. Oh God, I hope not. Um, but I, the line that I have that comes to mind is you don't want to pick your battles. You just want to win them all. See, okay. This is why I've sent you this quote so many times as a joke, but it really is one of my favorites. And I always think of Rachel when I say it, but it's, you have to pick your battles, and I pick all of them. Oh, okay. <laughs> I love that line. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's, I mean, again, it's like, I'm a very, I don't mind compromising, and some people just don't compromise, and Rachel's one of them, and, you know, that's just, that's a me issue, so. and But like, it's also, uh, like, a maturity thing, too, right? Like, think about back when you were, a, a tweenager, I guess, is what they call them, <laughs> right? Uh-huh. Right before, or a young, a subteen, te- sub as I call them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> think about back when you were like a subteen or an early teenager. Like, uh, maybe it's just me. Maybe this is me just admitting my majorest flaw of all time. I was super fucking combative all the time, and I absolutely would be like, no, I'm going to win this. Even if I'm wrong, I'm going to keep arguing, and I will lie mm-hmm. and say whatever shit it takes to win this argument. <laughs> like, oh, and no. now that I'm older, I won't pull that shit at all. But <laughs> yeah, when I was younger, I was like, all right, I, let me figure this shit out. <laughs> like, I don't know. I just, I relate to it a lot. And I still can remember, like, you know, back, the the thought process and the feelings from, like, back then, where I'm like, yeah, I can still relate to this. (laughs) Even though I've grown up a little. Not much. Uh, Just a little. Yeah, I just think a lot of this is just me not being able to relate. So, I totally valid. I, and... You never know. Like, you might, there might be a point where Rachel does something where you're like, I understand that. And then suddenly <laughs> it all makes sense. <laughs> oh, my feelings are changed. Yeah. Again, this is audience. I haven't read these books before. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. Um, <laughs> I, I'm the one who hasn't read the books before. I don't know what happens in the future. Well, I know a little bit of what happens, but so I am totally able to retcon my feelings later because my impressions of the characters are just up to this point. I don't have any future knowledge. So. And everything I say is set in stone, and I never learn anything or advance past this age. <laughs> <laughs> you never have anything adventures to do anything I am the hobbit of the Animorphs world. Oh, dear. Uh, <sighs> fuck. Cool. Yeah. Anyway, that's all I have about Miss Rachel. All right, then um, I'm going to skip back a few seconds and say, hey, you told us about a comic. Why don't you tell us more about your comic? Oh, no. <laughs> I thought we were going to do the, the five favorite books thing. But we're not there yet. We got to read all five of them. Oh, my God. I know. Okay, well, but that's not fair. You can't tell me out of the two that you just read, Jake or Rachel is your favorite Jake or Rachel's. Because <laughs> I know it's Jake's. <laughs> and that's hard to argue with. Jake's was much better than this book. 
Oh, I did like Jake's book. Jake's book was just so fucking good. And like, oh my god, Jake in that book was just blossoming as a leader. Like, he really, Uh he's hitting the next level. And this book, of course, it's Rachel, so I, it has like an automatic five points in the category, but like, (laughs) you know, it just, it wasn't as good as the last one. Yeah, I, the reaction is on my top five. That's super duper my favorite Rachel book, even though when she lied about sneezing out the crocodile, I was like, why are you like this? <laughs> yeah, the reaction is, I, like, as I nerded out through that entire book, like, that is one of my favorite books of all time. It's just such, like, it's, it's great. such, ah, oh, it's anamorphs for me. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. I was going to say, my top five has um, one of each kid, Sansa Axe. It's Jake's last book with the computers, Mm -hmm. uh, Cassie with the skunk book, uh, Marco with the chi, Rachel with the crocodiles, and book three, actually, because book three was, it's horrible and dark and depressing, but it's also like, that was my intro to Animorphs, and that's the book I know best, and, and I love Tobias. Yeah, I love Tobias, too. I miss visiting him. <laughs> we'll get to see him soonish. Not really. Our next book is an axe book. No. I love axe! <laughs> well, we get to visit him next time oh, on Animorphs Anonymous. <laughs> my favorite son. Yeah, Axe is such a great character. I'm I'm really bummed. And I know like we I don't know if we've mentioned it on here before, but we looked into it or I did a little bit about why they switched off Axe and Tobias books and it was because the publishers didn't think anyone would relate to them as well, so they tried to to spread them out. No. I know, which is total bullshit. That's horrible. Tobias is like everyone's favorite character. Oh, for sure. Well, Tobias and Axe are both. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Like like everyone I've talked to about Animorphs is like, "Oh, I got into the books cuz I had a huge crush on Tobias." And I'm just like, "Well, there you have it." Uh, all right okay tell me about your comic book damn it oh no okay (laughs) i have a comic i am writing and drawing it it is called beside you it's about music and romance um it is on the webs at besideyoucomic.com and i just put it on tapas which is a comic reading website um and you can subscribe to it there and get updates on when it updates. And it updates on Wednesdays. Yay. So, yay. Go read my comic, yo. I will. I'll read it all, damn it. Okay. <laughs> uh, yes. So, definitely check out that comic book. And if you want more of the both of us, I don't know why you would. Um, but (laughs) if you want more of the both of us, you can find a lot of Animorphs Anonymous stuff. We have a Gmail account, which is anonymousanimorphs at gmail.com, which I am pretty dang responsive. Um, and then we have a website, animorphsanonymous.com. We have a Facebook group. You can either just like Animorphs Anonymous on Facebook, or you can join our super awesome group, which is... Facebook.com slash group slash Animorphs Anonymous, or you can search Andalite Bandalites. That's us. Um, you can also check out our Insta Slam, which is at Animorphs Anonymous. You can also check out our Twitter, which is at Animorphs Anon. And you can find this very podcast that you're listening to 
on the the place that you're listening to it or also like iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play or Podcast Republic or uh, I don't know anywhere where fine podcasts are sold for free (laughs) (laughs) oh man so good I'm getting it together it took me 17 damn episodes but I'm finally fucking (laughs) getting our cohesive ending ending together I think I just finally remembered where everything was like it finally got gelled in my brain cool yeah well shit that's it this is the part that's it the part where we're not as good because we don't have like a tagline exit or something proper sign-off proper sign-off situation yeah well i guess we'll see you in two weeks for the next episode we're gonna visit our axie boy the best boy yes definitely the best boy for sure so don't miss it or I'll be sad. And don't forget to give ranting people on the streets your spare change. It's the nice thing to do. <laughs> okay, bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs>